Come gather round, marketing leaders, wherever you roam. It's time to listen to CMO Combo on your phone or any other device you prefer. This week, we're sitting down with another fantastic marketing leader, Sylvain Giuliani, head of growth at Census. And Syl has been good enough to put his entire profession on the line as we ask, should we even be talking about growth during economic downturns and cost of living crises? But if we aren't focusing on growth anymore, what's marketing actually for? Stay tuned as we dig into these questions and more. You've probably seen the news about how short the average tenure is for CMOs. Make sure you don't just survive, but thrive with the Alliance's C-Suite Masterclass. Whether you're looking to climb the ladder or currently an experienced marketing leader, you'll find everything you need to navigate the modern C-Suite. Across four months, you'll learn from experienced executives from leading brands like Trustpilot, Slack, Samsung, and more on how to drive results, inspire teams, and secure your place at the table. Don't be another statistic about the tenure of CMOs. Instead, join the ranks of the world's greatest business leaders. Check the link in the show notes for more information. Hi, Sylvan. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm excited to chat with you today. It's a, it's an exciting time to be having this conversation. Um, I was saying to you before the recording, I was like, oh, recession era marketing. Maybe we were jumping the gun there. But then as of time of recording, we're literally days from the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. So we'll see where that goes in that direction. Yeah, we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we start, do start digging into all that good stuff about the point of marketing during a recession, maybe you could introduce yourself to our audience, tell us a bit about yourself and why you wanted to cover this uh, topic in particular today. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I joined the workforce uh, just a bit before, you know, financial crisis of 2008. So I like to kind of like understand a bit what, what how things happen in 2008 and the, the year following that. I feel like a lot of people joined the workforce, especially in tech, after the, the financial crisis and just experienced like the big uh, boom cycle where like profitable costs, like, you know, we just have more money all the time. It's it's easy. It's just happy time and up, up and to the right all the time, right? Uh, so I think it would be good to talk about this. My my career, like, like I said, started before 2008. I was in tech startup most of my career. Uh, before Census, I was at Pusher uh, for more than six years where I led sales and marketing. Uh, they ultimately becoming the CRO, opening the office in the in America, and we are like thousands of, of uh, customers. And then three years ago, I joined Census uh, at the early stage. There was no website, no nothing. Uh, and then again, kind of like rinse and repeat, uh, uh, employee number six, we are 100 employees. And today I lead, uh, I, I led sales operation, uh, partnership, CS, and marketing. And now, you know, I gave a lot of those Legos away. And right now I'm focusing mostly on marketing. And so, you know, I want to talk about how our marketing, our marketing leader can uh, navigate those uh, tumultuous time. Um, so here we are. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And it's it almost seems like you're a little bit contra- almost shooting yourself in the foot a little bit with this discussion, as you are the, the head of growth at Census. But we're going to be talking about why growth yeah. shouldn't be a focus, or at least it shouldn't be the yeah. main focus anymore. Yes. How, how is it, are you are you okay for that? Is that not going to be risking stuff with your your job? No, or no, no. No, 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 it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. I mean, what is growth, right? It's just uh, another type of marketing, to be honest. Well, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of like people with similar titles to yourself, people who are CMOs and companies who might be having to have these conversations about why the priority shouldn't be growth. The CEOs might still be expecting growth, but now they're going to have to be explaining, I can't do the job you hired me for. That's going to be a difficult conversation to have. Yeah, I, I guess it also depends what the definition of growth is. Like, you know, you can grow revenue without growing new logo, new user acquisition, right? Like at the end of the day, you know, being ahead of growth or growth leader, like 
you just hit your grow numbers. Like the it's just the numbers that is going to be changing, right? So, uh, but we'll talk about that in in a minute, right? Yeah, that, that, let's talk about what these numbers are. What's changing? Because as you said, like for over a decade now, or maybe even more than that, it feels like particularly the tech industry. It's all been about hyper growth, driving growth, growth hacking at all cost. What is yeah. the current lay of the land? Yeah, I think the if you think about the, the metrics, like historically every marketing organization, growth organization, where it focused on like how do we get new customers, right? Like if basically you want to get new customers and get customers faster and convert them faster to more revenue. Like that was basically the the goal and doesn't matter the cost as long as you know you put one dollar in and you get one dollar back in some some uh some cases not even one dollar back you know uh like in the uber doordash type of style mm -hmm. uh that was the that was the goal i think what you're seeing nowadays on the market when i talk to peers when i talk to our customer here at census we're also marketing leaders right it's very much like hey instead of like focusing on like uh you know, acquiring new customers, we're going to move towards down the, the journey and like, how do we upsell customers? Like, how do we retain customers? And so marketing is very much becoming an ally of like retention that is traditionally being owned by like the CS team with like metrics like net dollar retention, right? Uh, upsell rate, uh, attachment uh, rate on new SKUs, things like that, if you want to do some cross well. Right? And then you're going to see marketing owning a lot more, what is contributing a lot more to those uh, KPIs too, uh, I would say. Um, because again, this is an area that has been untapped. So, you know, if you're a selfish marketing leader, if you still want to have an impact, like, you go where the low hanging fruit are and you know let's be honest marketing team never really focused on like those type of areas right you know it's always like let's spend all our money on linkedin google ads on new activities to acquire net new customers and churn is not our problem it's someone else's problem so <laughs> uh lots lots of opportunity for marketing teams uh, and department to uh, have an impact on uh, on that part of the customer journey i guess and it, it seems like yeah it's it's just relearning those very like fundamental lessons about business that a lot of organizations seem to have forgotten they, they, there's one of the classic rules of business isn't it that it's far cheaper to retain a customer than it is to get new ones so is, is it well, just gonna be like gone still gone yeah no no yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's kind of like when when capital is cheap right like let's go let's go spend that cheap capital where we where we know uh it, it works right you know it's like it's, it's like you go to the gym right you imagine if you go to the gym every day and you only work your arms right like it's easy you, you just keep on working you have no pain you know the program like it's easy and then suddenly you go to the gym and we said sorry you can't do the arms anymore you have to only focus on on, on the legs right it's like well, it's still going to the gym. You kind of like know how it works, right? But it's like it is painful. You hate it. Well, it's exactly the same thing happening in marketing. It's like you know you've been you've been working the five five past year on like let's acquire new customers. Like you know I know my page channels. I know SEO. I know organic. You know I know how to convert lead to MQL. You know look at the big trends in marketing the past five six years was like how do we do programmatic ad audience building, ABM things like everything is top of funnel. And now we're going to tell you like whoa, well let's go let's go where it's cheaper right because the cfo says let's do more with less and so i think a good example of that is like if you go to certain companies linkedin ads like i, I love doing that exercise like going what they they show on ads and so bef before it used to be ads it's like 
check out our new pro this is who we are you should use us like you know net new customer uh, type of messaging and now a lot of their ads is actually targeted at their own existing audience right and so uh, a good example that i've seen recently was like uh murali uh the kind of like plg like whiteboard collaboration uh app that went you know big during the pandemic era right like they're showing a lot of ads that is like upsell abm and so their ads is going to be like Hey, 600 people at your organization is already using Murali. Like, what are you waiting for? Right. So it's a lot more like upsell strategy or retention strategy at the account level. And you can see they do a lot of those kind of like highly targeted, like upsell uh, ABM ads, for example. And so that's a, you're going to see a lot, a lot more of that where it's like, hey, we have the data about those customers. Like, you know, we know the 600 of those users in your organization. How do we going to target? the remaining or the org to do like a wall-to-wall -wall deployment. And historically, these type of like activities were done in a very cost inefficient way by the sales team. So it's like, let's hire five ADRs, right? And let's go prospect those large organization. And we just kind of throw one body at the problem. And obviously you don't have like 600K to spend on headcounts anymore to just go across like five more accounts. And so marketing has to come in and then do the work for cheap in a way right and i think that's like something that marketing is really good at is like building system um that can be scaled programmatically and repeated for cheap right you know because at the end of this campaign i just talked about is like we know who our customer are because we have data about it we know how they're using it because we have data about it and so we can do some quick market analysis again using data linkedin audience third party uh, uh demographic filmographic tools to understand how many potential customer is there like white space revenue essentially right like you know if you have let's say you're targeting marketing team at like a, a 500 people company right uh so well we have five users out of 25 well we know we can go get 20 more right and so that's easy to do and then finally you have like tools like ads uh ad platform like linkedin that is really good at like targeting those people and so now we can say like well go show ads to the remaining 20 right and all of that can be done programmatically uh by one human basically right so a lot cheaper so that's something that i see a lot more of conversation happening is like how can marketing ad spend our target towards upsell and retention um does that make sense to you it does yeah it does so in terms of like this hyper targeted upselling mm -hmm. will that mean we need different components in our tech stack different components in our teams even like different personnel to manage these types of campaigns it's going to be very different to like your big brand awareness campaigns, the big flashy stuff, who are, and it's going to require different things, surely. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a couple of things. Right? I think like the people are mostly the same. Like, I mean, it's still going to be change management. Like, like mm -hmm. I said, like it's kind of like instead of like, hey, we're going left now, we're going right. Like, people don't like to change. So, like, I think like marketing leaders are going to be able to be like, hey, we used to be, you know, looking at the numbers of like new pipeline new customers you know, new active users whatever it is and now it's going to be like actually we are looking at those kind of like metrics and so like internally you're going to get people coming back to you be like well but like we used to be good at new users like why why is this like a secondary metrics now but it's like yeah because that was like super expensive and we can't just we can't just rely on this so i think there's going to be a people uh people side of it where it's like change management become very important uh so this is like where dashboard metrics things like that to show that the new behaviors is having an impact and you can attract the right type of like activities again right so it's like oh look yeah you all used to have like targeting audience that was like in the millions now 
we have a smaller ones. It's not because it's smaller audience that is bad. It's just because it's different. Like lots of this conversation, even at the tactical level, would be from a tool stack point of view. I think, I think most people, most marketing team, have already have most of it in place. I think the the key thing that is different is going to be access to data, right? And so that's something that I see every week at Census, right? It's like people coming in and be like, hey, you know, we used to not care too much about first party data, right? Because it was all about like we put cookies, you know, before like the cookie upgrades, like, hey, we retarget people based on like traffic behaviors and like on our first part on, on our own website and over people's website. Like that was basically the most data that we needed to, to care about. And now it's like, hey, now how do I have, I have this dashboard in Looker that shows how my customers are using our product? How do I get access to that data to do two things, to build better audiences, you know, to do retargeting, upselling campaigns, things like that. And then to do communication across channel, whether it's like email, SMS, WhatsApp, whatever the, the, the product that you have. And because they're like, hey, I know Will has been in my app for six months. I know Will is a power user feature A, but if and we have feature B, and we know that you know people who use feature A and B leads to more upsell in the future. So now our marketing team is like, how do I know that Will is there so I can send them better emails to educate them on the benefits of feature B? You know, invite them to training, webinars, you know, whatever the product. And then again, like show, show him ads about like the benefit of that uh, feature bit to be like, hey, people like you are using this thing to be better at their job or whatever the value prop, right? And so like you need that first party data to build this campaign. And so I think that's where this is a lot of like shift of like, hey, how do you access that data? That data in most company already exists. They're just not in Marketo, HubSpot, you know, your tool of choice, basically. Uh, so I think that's the only thing that is really changing from a tool stack point of view. Um, the other thing that is changing is like the spend, right? Like, you know, uh, people don't spend a ton of money on tools anymore. So I would say like, you know, like, like putting my vendor at on right now, is like a lot of, uh, Company are just kind of like reducing the this the tool spend. So if you are selling to marketing team, it's like it's like how do you not drop revenue and focus on like um retention or how do you help sales team uh you know like demonstrate the value so you can renew flat or renew above? Like I think that's sort of another kind of like taking the muscle of brand awareness and then moving it more like at the retention level. It's like, hey, Will, you've been using our product for three years. Look at all the value you're getting, like you know. Don't don't think about renewing at a lower price, like because it's the best thing since sliced bread. Like that's again, like hacking marketing can help with that messaging. It's going to be very important in the coming months, I would say. Uh, For sure, yeah. Um, so when it comes to data access, mm -hmm. how do you get access to all this data then? If if it's locked up somewhere else, what is the, the yeah. case for this? Like the, the the data economy is going to be incredibly important. So a, a martech tools going to start charging people to access their first party data is that what's going to happen like no i, I think that, i mean this is kind of like the the virtuous cycle right it's like if you think about your tool like marketer and you're like well i need to demonstrate value to the marketing organization right so hey look we're going to send help you send better emails more personalized email more targeted email so like they have vested interest interest to bring more data into marketer to retain that kind of like uh revenue like revenue per customers right and so I think this is where there's tools like Census coming in, where we you know we help connect like the warehouse to tools like Marketo. So you don't have to ask like engineer for like custom script API integration, like in, like um, marketing him can just kind of like sell the data. You have other vendors like iPass, same thing that helps like connect like systems between them, right? So so I think there's like there's a lot more interest in like 
those kind of like technology like reverse ETL, iPass to bring uh, data into your tools. I don't think like the vendors like Marketo will necessarily care about in a, in a negative way uh, because it makes them better, right? It helps them with this retention story too, right? And upsell story too. Um, so, so I think that's that's going to be the, the company that are really going to be left behind is like the company that had zero data mm. strategy beforehand. It's like, you know, like, oh, you know, we as a customer, that's all we care about. We don't even know is he actually using the thing that he purchased like a year ago? Like these companies are like, yeah, they have two years of like uh, grow up, grow up that and, and data maturity they have to do in like a couple of months to basically uh, be able to do those things. Um, but yeah. And that's, that's going to be, I, I have to go and say that. I mean, that's a big mountain to climb by the sounds of it. So like, is, is there anything that those companies can do at this stage or are they like? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think from the, the, the thing I see, out there when I talk to customers and prospect is like, there's no, no such thing as like, you know, completely data illiterate company, right? I always say is like, you don't have to build the whole data stacks mountain before you get started, right? Like you can kind of like go in a one thin slice. Uh, something I recommend most of the time is like, hey, you have a pricing model, right? You know, like you, you know, you charge per like unit of X, right? And so that is data you probably track somewhere because you know, you're charging people on it. Like you need to be honest about it. And so usually that's the best place to start is like, how can I use pricing data that is attached to my model to send better emails to do better uh, ad targeting, right? And so like saying like, hey, you're on plan A, but you should be on plan B. Plan B has this added feature. That's what we want to upsell you from a product strategy anyway. Like that alone, if you can put it in the right tools like a Marketo or a HubSpot, right? Like you will be able to send emails on those people, right? And so my campaign is going to be all the people who match those criteria, who also are on my plan A. I want them to get onto plan B as a goal. And I know to get from these two plans is I need to show them the benefit of the uh, feature that they are missing between the two plans, right? And so like that doesn't require a tremendous amount of data crunching and a ultra uh, mature data uh, stack. Like, you know, you go to your payment provider, you get the data, subscription data, and then put it into your marketing team and send starting emails about like that, for example, right? Um, again, not the best, but like better than nothing, I would say, uh, to get started. And, and then that is just started. Then you start generating data through those email campaigns, through those targeted campaigns as well. So it's sort of, a little bit of a yeah. snowball effect kind of thing. Absolutely. And then what, what you'll see more, right, is like, uh, you know, CS team, usually that's going to be your next new new best ally, like in those kind of like campaigners marketing, because whether they have, they have a fully automated pro process or not, like they have data about customers somewhere. Like it might not be the cleanest data in terms of like, you know, like usage last 30 days, metrics or feature X, Y, and Z, like very granular things, but like they will be able to tell you like, hey, this account over there that I'm working with, they, this is this, this is the deployment of our solution so far, right? For example. And so it's like, how can you take that kind of like raw data, uh, clean it up? And yeah, it might be a bit of manual labor there, but like, how do you clean it up to send like those emails, like add them to retargeting campaign uh, and things like that? Like, you know, again, like that's another good place to find like, good enough data to get started while you wait for like in the the beautiful uh data stack three um hopefully yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. so you, you touched on a couple of different teams beyond the marketing department that we need to be working closer with um at the moment sales cs team who are the other big allies that we need on side and also maybe like let's talk a bit about 
how should CMOs be sharing this kind of shift of priorities across the, the business? Is this something that everyone needs to know, or is it just people who have like some kind of relationship with the marketing department? Like who are the important people that need to be on side for these kinds of ch yeah. changes in priorities? Yeah, I think like it's like I mean, like anything IT data related, like I think that's like if you're not if they were not your friend before, like you know, go go there and make friends with them because they're gonna help you get access that day to that data. Like I think that's number one. Uh I think everything that is historically post-sale. So like I don't know if you have CS, account management, like you know, implementation specialists, things like that. Like again, they're gonna give you the same kind of qualitative feedback that sales used to give us at the top of the the journey was like, oh, you know, nobody's buying us because objection X, right? And so then, you know, as a marketing person, you take that objection X, you go create that content to handle that objection before they get into a sales uh, a sales conversation. So you can capture the people who don't even get into consideration. Like, well, it's going to be exactly the same thing, but on the other side, like, you know, when a CS person goes to do a renewal, it's going to be like, ah, oh, you know, we like, we like your product, but like, what about X, Y, and Z, right? And it's like, well, X, Y, and Z is going to be similar type of objection from sales. Take that, put them in an email, put that into your ads. Be like, hey, as a valuable customer, did you know we could actually do these things? Like, you know, and so again, like, uh, like turn that kind of like negative objection ending into a positive to help with renewal and upsell, right? So I think anything post sales will be a good ally in terms of like uh, help you craft the messaging. Um, I think the, the the other thing that you'll see more similar vein right like it's going to be event like you used to do a lot of event roadshow field event that was like net new lead you're going to start moving into like how can we spend our film marketing budget for retention so it's like instead of like a prospect dinner right like you're going to get uh a retention dinner with customers to keep them happy like so or like a mix of, of those things right so like that's that's going to be another big thing um but ultimately the way to align the, the um, into this new world order, right? It's like, it's still at the top. It's like the company said, like, I'm sure every company is like, we need to do more with less, right? What does that mean? Well, it's gonna mean a lot of things for you. It's gonna be same budget, reduce budget, uh, reduce spend on tools, right? And so everything that's a marketing team you feel that is unfair to you because of that statement, all of your customers are feeling the same thing. So I think that's like a great way to get a lot of empathy. It's like, hey, it sucks that I can't do this thing anymore. Like, well, what is my customer can't do anymore because of this recession coming coming up, right? And so that's a good way to get started. Uh, so like that's number one at the, the start of the top is like, you know, what is the matching order internally, right? What is the change of KPI uh, coming in? And so again, we go from like new user acquisition to like those kind of like net dollar retention, like upsell rate, attachment rate type of KPI. So education on those metrics, what does that matter? How you can contribute, we're going to be big, right? And then finally, it's like, building campaigns that is towards those KPI and not the old one, right? Uh, I mean, again, it's not an or, um, uh, one or the other, right? Like it'll be, you'll have, still have to acquire a new customer, but like it's probably a shift. And so I think that's like a week to week, month to month uh, planning. And I think this is where people need to really leverage like basic change management techniques. Like, you know, how do you build champions? How do you help like middle management to repeat, repeat those messaging within their team to be like, hey, you saw at the company kickoff, the CEO said this, this is what it means for marketing because we did the marketing all ends about this. And, you know, this is how it impacts our team and this is how it impacts you, right? It's like this kind of like cycle down messaging is going to be very important for the next six months for people to kind of create just a bit of like the new normal, right? Because um, 
people are like, but we used to spend $10,000 a day on this. Why can't I just spend it again? It's like, well, we can't because company priority. That's important to be able to trash it back up. Definitely, definitely. Um, and you're going to have to have those kinds of conversations where you make, where you justify basically going in a different direction than what the rest of the company assumed you were there for. What about when it comes to sort of marketing, the marketing team, or like even just like the personnel within the business, not even taking into account like leadership level? How do you, usually when you start hearing about companies having to do more with less, start talking about efficiencies, yeah. that's when people start get worried about their jobs. That's when people start get worried about redundancies. Yeah. How can you communicate the shift in priorities that manages those expectations? Because obviously, you might not be able to promise there's not going to be redundancies, but how can you frame the messaging in a way that supports the people who are feeling worried at the moment? I think that's that's like goes back to like good management 101. Like I, I don't think the recession has nothing to do, but like you want the people to go like when they wake up in the morning, like they know what success looks like for them that day, that week, that month, right? And that 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 needs to be super transparent. And that expectation needs to be clearly communicated, right? So like people who are worried are people who wake up and like, what is my goal at this company, right? You know, it's like, am I in charge of like KPI X? Am I in charge of delivering Y and Z as an asset, right? Like if people know what they need to do and they see a path to, to achieve that goal, like, you know, they should not, like people are not going to be worried about their job, right? Because like they know they're performing to the expectation. After that, you know, if there's layoff because company is going under, like, it is what it is like there's not much you can do about it as, as an individual but like i think that's that's something that is happening across our company when you look at the layoff it's like to trim the fan because it's like well what is bob and lisa here really doing right since like we just hired them they're just one body and like they they don't even know what success looks like in their job and so i think if i was a uh, you know if i was an employee uh, reporting to like a marketing leaders right like i would go to my boss and say like hey can you help me define what's my scorecard here like you know at the end of the year, what does success look like for me? What are my metrics? Like, what what do I need to deliver, right? And then uh, I would hold my boss accountable to those deliverables, like on a weekly update, like, you know, be proactive, be like, hey, you said I was I, I was supposed to do X, Y, and Z. I'm doing it. Like, you know, I'm tracking positively. Is there anything that you're seeing that is missing from that? Like, you know, very much like managing up as an employee, but the same thing as a, as a marketing leader, I would take stock into my team. You know, I would be saying like, these are everybody's, high potential performance, right? And then on this two axis graph and be like, who is like a high potential high performer? Great, you know, let's let's give them more, even more responsibility uh, and, you know, uh, uh, accelerate the career path, like by giving them more. Everybody in the middle, like, you know, I would be like, okay, these are my squad players. How do I make it crystal clear what success look like for them to, to be retained and achieve their goals? And if everybody on the bottom, right, you know, it's like, give them the opportunity to shine because maybe they were mismatched in the in the past but like they should have a clear clear okrs whatever performance framework you want to uh, use at, at your company to be like hey this is where you are today it's not great but that's on me not on you like this is your new plan like you know not a paper or anything like that but it's like this is a new expectation of this new world i expect you to do this i believe you can do it let's go and do it right like and again at that point like if they fail or whatever like that's you know Ultimately, as a manager, that was a bad eye on your part and you, you don't want to blame. But like I would say taking stock of your team is very important at that point uh, to see what do you have and what you can do with it. And, uh, and again, like also 
it's a good exercise to do to kind of like help with this change, right? It's like, hey, the wheel used to be only focused on like net new lead. Like you were a high performer, high potential. Now I want you to do more than just net new lead. I want you to go own like heal the bands, like yada yada, right? Because I believe in you that you can stretch there, right? Like I feel like that's a good opportunity to, to do both at the same time. Uh, but as an employee, I would definitely look up how to manage up to guarantee your job is there. Uh, at least have, there's no reason for you to be fired. For sure. Definitely, definitely. I, th I think the, the honesty, the transparency side of the thing is very important. If you look at some of the redundancies that have been handled recently, um, particularly in the tech world, people waking up to emails, like being locked out of their computers without any warning, that kind of thing. Like, And that's just going to have a knock-on effect on the talent that you do try to retain. They're not going to stick around at a company that oh, treats yeah. their employees like that, even if they're being redundant or not. So I think the honesty, the transparency thing is a great way to go. But it goes back to like the 2008 kind of like cycle, like, you know, most, most, you have to think that most managers and leaders right now, they never had to have like very hard conversation that was like macroeconomic, like, uh, what do you, how do you say that? Like, like uh, macroeconomic trends that are impacting you and you can't do anything about it. Like, you know, because before it's like, well, Will, sorry, I'm not going to give you more budget because, you know, X, Y, and Z, like here's like, you are forced to have conversation that is out of your control, right? And so, like, it's very difficult to have those conversations compared to before, right? Like, there's no, there's no good answer to be like, hey, sorry, you're good, you're a good team member, but we need to, we need to let let you go because budgets are not here. You know, the company is running out of money, yada yada, right? Especially in tech startup, right? And so, that's where having manager who is good at like. Communicate, communicate, like internal communication, like managing expectation and uh, transparency is super important because you want people to be, yes, they have my back. You know, it's very clear where the bar is. It might be a like insanely high bar, but at least I know where it is, right? Like compared to you wake up in the morning, but feels like if I write a blog post, I'm I'm doing good, right? And then on the other side, your manager is like, I don't even care that he writes blog posts. I want, <laughs> you know, I want upsell, I want revenue, yeah. I want pipeline or whatever, right? And that that's the worst but thing that can happen, really. Definitely, definitely. And what about when it comes to sort of communicating change in priorities publicly? Like, is that something that's a good idea or should you be keeping that sort of behind a bit of a barrier, a bit of a, a Berlin wall between what your customers, what the public knows and what you and the company needs to know about what's going on internally? I think it depends so much on like the company, the market, like the the the, the company culture, right? Like I feel like there's a like consistency is kind of like important when you're kind of like public facing, right? Like you don't want, like, you know, as a as a buyer of a solution, like, you know, I don't want to buy a solution from someone that keeps flip-flopping every every other quarter, right? Like, or every big event is like, oh my God, there's something happening. It's like, now we're doing this, now we're going to like, you know, you want to build like that confidence, right? So I think that's like very important to take that like into consideration. Like, you know, like I would not go to the market and be like, yo, at census, we decided like big change, and that's like you know. And then don't worry, it's it's not going to impact you. It's like I didn't wake up this morning to have a vendor tell me that big change are coming. Like you know, <laughs> I have other things that I need to worry about. But on the other side, if you were transparent from the day one, like people have that expectation. It's like, hey, census is a super transparent company. They always communicate every change to me. There's a recession now, and they're not communicating. That sounds weird to me, right? Mm -hmm. You know. So I think this is more like. Yeah, one-on-one type of conversation that needs to happen was like, what do we usually communicate? How do we usually communicate? Should we communicate now? Like, you know, what are, what do we need to communicate? I think that's kind of like uh, the 
my recommendation, but I, I'm not a super, I'm not a PR expert. So I would say that that's probably a good topic for someone else on, on the podcast. Well, <laughs> don't know if you said <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I imagine there's going to be plenty more to dig into on this topic, uh, Sil. So yeah. let's let's try and pull things together into maybe some some golden rules about how mm-hmm. marketers should be, marketing leaders should be approaching conversations around these priorities right now. Like, what should their top priorities be? Who do they need to be talking to? And what kind of information yeah. do they need to be providing to stakeholders? Yeah, I think right now, like, the number one rule is, like, what is the number that we need to hit, Right. Where is it? Where is those numbers going to come in from? Like, you know, if you need to build ten million dollar pipeline, like you know, do a Sankey chart. What right? you know, it's like two million dollars going to come from here, five million dollars going to come from here, four million is going to come from here, and one million. Oh, it's more than ten million, but anyway, like those those dollars going to come from these different places, and you should look at like not just net new, you should look at like also upsells. I would say uh, then because you know why? Because the budget is going to be lower uh, on the other side. Like you know, you can't just say go back to the board or the CEO and be like. We're going to make $10 million of pipeline and I need, you know, uh, X amount of million dollar. Like what you're going to see at that level, at the metrics is going to be the pipe error, like, you know, the pipe, the error on pipe, like for the budget is going to be closer to like 10X, 14X. Like historically, 4X was like, eh, it's pretty good enough because, you know, it kind of covers, like it's kind of good coverage, right? Now, like you're going to be stretched to 10 million. So definitely lower budget, higher target type of situation. So I think that's, Step number one of a clarity with the rest of the executive, like what is the number we hit, how we're gonna hit it, and what do we need to hit it, right? At that point, is once this is locked down, is go to your team and like be very clear that this is the new normal, right? Like this, this is where the money is coming from, and this is what we have to achieve it. Like, let's work together to have a plan and who's gonna be doing what, right? And so again, depending on the size of your like you go to your directors, to your manager, to your IC, right? Uh but everybody needs to be bought in into the, the new plan, right? And because once the plan is like locked down and this new way of doing, like, the, and this is kind of change management one-on-one, right? It's like, we we should not, uh, you know, second guess ourselves, like, you know, disagree and commit uh, all you want, but like, like as a group, we need to go towards this direction and like until further notice, like, you know, until like issue X, Y, and Z happens, like, you know, not, we don't not on track on numbers, whatever. Like we're not reassessing because we don't have time for more meetings, more conversation, right? I think that's kind of like the the approach there. And uh, and so sim- similar thing, we just did the big plan. You do the same thing like in, inside the team pet channel, right? Like you go see your channel, be like, look, well, you're in charge of like organic SEO channel, like. Yeah, you used to have like all that money to buy backlink, generate content. Like you have less. And we also going to go towards those keywords, like, how are you going to do this? Like, and so you put a plan together, you know, commit to it and then go and execute, right? Uh, and I think as an employee, these are, this is like the, these crunch time are like the best way for your career to kind of like get ahead of the game, right? Because if you can, if you can turn it around and achieve those goals, like, you know, that is like, you're going to do what you would have taken five years from a career point of view, you're going to do it in one year or two, right? So I think if you can, step up to the occasion is going to be great uh, at every level. Um, but on the other on the other side too, like, you know, like it's going to be very apparent that people are not part of this new journey, right? And so you would have, like this, this needs to be very clear from a messaging point of view to be like, hey, this is the new normal. If you don't think you can jump this high, you know, bad things going to happen, right? Um, but that's that's kind of like the, the rate of the market really, uh, to be honest. Uh, like it, is still, it. Yeah. <laughs> it is still, yeah. So, so 
Yeah, sounds like there is a challenge ahead for marketers of all levels. But yeah, if you can meet that target, if you can overcome that that challenge, then yeah, you are the kinds of marketers who are going to be leading the way in the next few decades, the next few generations of marketing leaders. Yeah, and I think that's again, like if you if you can do more with less, as they always say, right? Like you know, like that's that sets you up for success for the future. Like, you know, you're not going to be the, the wasteful type of marketers. And so I think that's like a, a strong asset there. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely encourage people to focus on KPIs that are like LTV, you know, era type, like anything that is like focused on like outcome driven, it's a lot easier than just be like cost per lead, cost per MQL. Like that's not going to be very fruitful uh, for people because who knows what happened to this lead? Like, what's the point, you know? What's the point? That, that that has been the question throughout this entire episode. Till so what is the point of marketing in a recession? And I think I think we've we've narrowed it down pretty well here. So thank you very much for joining me today, Sil. It's been a really really interesting conversation. Um, I'm sure, as you said, there is more to be explored on the subject. And I'm sure we'll have more to talk about in the coming months as well as the economy develops, as the situation with Silicon Valley Bank develops. We'll just see how things go and see how marketers respond. Yeah. Like that's the that's yeah. the fun side of being on this side of the uh, the CMO convo, I suppose. Yes, yes. I think the last thing will be like the question, you know, that we can come back in two years is like, is all of this going to impact like the average tenure of a CMO? You know, is it continue going down from eighteen months to fourteen months to twelve months, and we get CMO who doesn't stay in job for like less than a year in average? Like that's uh, oh, it's going to go back up. You know, like go back to two years. We'll see in in a couple of years. Uh, what's the prediction? Uh, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see in a couple of years. And I hope our audience is around to uh, to listen to us uh, cover that at some point. Um, as a, once again, thank you very much, Sil, for joining me. It's been a really interesting conversation. I'm sure our audience has found it valuable. And I want to thank our audience for joining us as well. We'll be back soon with some more CMO convos. Like what you heard from this CMO combo? Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating so the whole world knows how great it was.